Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I chatted with Maggie Combs about the deep desires of our hearts that cause real grief when they remain unfulfilled, otherwise known as unmet expectations. Maggie's the author of Unsupermommy and Mama to her three busy boys, Isaac, Xander, and Judah. She blames their unending energy and solid build completely on her tall and active husband, Wes. Maggie and I talked about everything from why God allows some of our desires to go unmet to where the gospel meets us in these unmet expectations. Listen to what she said. Only in nearness to God will we have all of our desire fulfilled. I like to call this holy discontent. This purpose of this unmet desire is to constantly remind you that only God will satisfy the unending desire of your heart. Actually, Elizabeth Elliot says, heaven is not here, it's there. If we were given all we wanted here, our hearts would settle for this world rather than the next. So this holy discontent is a kindness to keep us longing for more of God. Maggie literally had me saying amen throughout the podcast, which thankfully doesn't happen often on this show. But I know that you guys will be fist pumping with me as she gracefully and powerfully brings the truth on this episode. Now, on to my conversation with Maggie Combs. Welcome to the Jerk Women Podcast, Maggie. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you on. For those who aren't familiar with Maggie, you're the author of an excellent book called Unsuper Mommy, which you sent to me like beginning of last summer. Yeah. And Maggie, it is a great book. What inspired you to write Unsuper Mommy? Well, I had three boys in three years. And that, wow. that was not my plan. <laughs> What I'm trying to figure out is how you wrote Unsuper Mommy while you were mothering the three boys. You know, I get asked that question a lot and I ask it myself, like, literally, how did I do that? <laughs> Only by the grace of God and by the gift of technology, because I wrote yeah. most of it on my phone. You know, my kids, did you really? my kids were like all of an age where they just kind of needed me to sit on the floor with them as yes. they played. And so I was stuck there. Yeah. And it was like, could I could just sit and like look at Instagram and play games and stuff on my phone or I could use that time wisely. And then I did not want to write it, but God would not let me not write it. He just kept bringing it back to me and bringing random people in my life kind of saying things who had no idea I was thinking about writing it. Really? And That's so cool. Yeah. 
Well, one of my favorite things about you, actually my favorite thing about you, is how passionate you are about how God's grace just intersects everyday life. And really, like if I had a theme of my podcast, I think that would be it. So (laughs) yes, I was ecstatic that you could come on the show. Tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do so the listeners can get a feel for what your life looks like. Well, I've been married for 10 years to my husband, Wes. I'm a mostly stay-at-home mom to three boys. My oldest is six and a half. My middle is four and a half. And my youngest is three and a half. And I really just really wanted to just be a stay-at-home mom. And God really took me kicking and screaming. I like to say I was like Moses, like anybody else, Lord, can please (laughs) give this message except me. And he made me into a mouthpiece. And so now I'd say like 90 to 95% of the time, I'm stay-at-home mom. And then in those cracks, I do writing and speaking. And then we live on my parents' land that I grew up on. Oh, that's so awesome. On the edge of Minneapolis. And my husband and my dad love animals. So we have six horses. Oh, Maggie, that's so cool. I grew up, it's not a farm, right? It's not a farm. Yours is a small farm. Correct? No, no. Okay. I mean, it's like it's a hobby farm, and that there's like we're not trying to make money doing this. Okay. The cool you. word now is homesteading. 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 That's what I did growing up. Well, you do frequent writing on your blog, correct? Do you have any writing projects outside of your blog right now? Well, I have some things in the works. <laughs> okay. I was like, this sounds like a little secret. Okay. We'll be yeah. on the lookout for those. But One of the things that you wrote on your blog was an article series. What did you title it? Giving Up My Daughter Desire. Yes. Yes. And that really resonated with me. And I know a lot of us are sitting kind of on the tail end of a brand new year. This is, I think this is releasing around the end of January. And we've already experienced a lot of unmet expectations. Mm -hmm. This is like January the 5th, and I already have unmet expectations in regard to myself. (laughs) But I had you on because I really want to talk with you about the deeper desires, like the ones that you wrote about in this blog series, the desires of our heart that really cause us to grieve when they aren't fulfilled. I'd love for you to elaborate a little bit about what you wrote about in regard to your desire to have a daughter. So, like I said, I really wanted a daughter, but I had three boys. And the desire for a daughter really came from my relationship with my mom. We grew up super close. I was the only daughter, the last child. My mom had two miscarriages and then a healthy baby, my oldest brother, and then a stillbirth at 40 weeks. Oh, my goodness. How heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So she knows a lot about grief and loss. Yeah. And my brother Joshua and then my brother Ben and then me. Okay. So so you're one of four, three boys and then you. Yep. And so I was like this much longed for daughter and it was a big deal to everyone in the family that my mom got her daughter. And we grew up super close. We were always doing mother daughter things. And then she was like a leader in our youth group and she taught Bethmore Bible studies to college age girls. And I, as a junior higher, started doing them with her and the college that is age amazing. girls. So we, it was like not weird at all to me that when I went into ninth grade, I was like, mom, I think my friends would like to do these Bible studies. And she was already their youth leader. And so wow. she started 
doing Bible studies for high school girls. And she was a mentor to all of my friends growing up. So I just couldn't really imagine even being closer to her. Hmm. And then I had kids. <laughs> and yeah. I just physically and emotionally like needed her in a whole new way. Oh, so yeah. I really inherited from her a passion for women's ministry and discipleship. And I just took for granted that God would give me a daughter the same way he mm. gave one to her. Yeah, like and you in envisioned fact, yourself having the same kind of relationship yes, with someone one day. Yes. And it was like, I thought, gosh, I've always wanted to see like sisters. So I thought mm -hmm. God is going to give me multiple girls, like maybe mm -hmm. a boy and two girls. And then it'll just be like this perfect way for me to pass on this passion for women's ministry. And mm. he didn't. <laughs> and so when I was pregnant with my first, I found out I was a boy. I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, one boy. So that's we'll more opportunities, girls. God willing. <laughs> my husband was like, no more than three kids. He's like, Maggie, I can see you're going to go for the gold here. Yeah. <laughs> he had two kids. Just like one more seems to be a lot of people's limits, you know? Yes. Yes. So then I found out I was pregnant with my second boy and I thought, okay, I might not get daughters, you know, but yeah, I was really hoping and believing that I would still get a daughter. Yeah. And then I got pregnant with my third boy when my baby was only five months old. Oh my. Obviously, I did not plan that pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have you been asked that question? Though? <laughs> right. <laughs> You know how this happens, right? And I mean, the weird thing was, it had never happened easily for us. <laughs> wow. So I just assumed that it couldn't. And I had planned when we were ready to have kids to like do all the special tricks that you can do to try and make yes, you the get Chinese a girl. calendar. Yes. We've and definitely thought, looked into those for like a boy for the next time. I'm not going to lie. I was going to get my girl, you know? And then God was like, nope, you're going to get this baby way sooner than you expected. But I thought, <laughs> Surely, if God is going to give me babies, the hardship of yeah, two under 13 one. months apart, <laughs> yes. he is going to just give me my daughter, you know, like I deserve to get a daughter if I'm going to yes. go through that. <laughs> Birthing and, two children in almost one calendar year. Oh my what? word. Your body never recovers from that. <laughs> oh. So I thought. I went into the ultrasound really hopeful yeah. that this would be my girl. Of course. And then, you know, we saw the evidence that it was not. And I just oh. felt like my world was caving mm. in. I thought, I'm never going to have a daughter. I'm never going to get what I wanted. I'm not going to have my sweet little girl, my little lady disciple, my ministry partner, my best friend. It was like everything I had taken for granted my whole life was wiped clean in wow. that one ultrasound. And I yeah. was devastated. Oh, man. And so many people are hoping for boys that the ultrasound tech was probably like overly cheery. And you're just like, yeah. I can't even lady. They had to like, <laughs> they, you like get the ultrasound. And then you go wait for your like doctor's appointment afterwards. I'm like sobbing in the waiting oh. room. And they're like, can we just put, well, let's put you in a room. <laughs> okay. Oh, Maggie, we have all been there, though. And, you know, I'd love for people who are listening to just to get a picture, maybe a taste of what are some other examples of big desires like this one that you're describing, this desire to have a daughter that we might unknowingly maintain. 
Sure. Well, for every woman, it just seems like the big two are marriage and kids. Yes. We just assume those two are like God-given. Yeah. To use very American language, God-given yeah. rights. Yeah. And we even speak those into like our kids sometimes, you know, like I have to be really conscious of not making Hadley seem as though or making her feel already at the young age of three that like, this is something that will like one day you will be married to a man like daddy or something. It's like, no, that's actually not promised. Yes. And that we just assume those things growing up and that we deserve to have those things. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, but it can get smaller than that. Like things like just having a happy, healthy relationship with your parents and your immediate family. Right. It can be that you will have kids who come to know Jesus. Yep. I think I probably have that just that you just now told me about. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That you'll not just be married, but you'll have a happy marriage and you'll have the kind of husband who takes the time to right. pay attention to you and who's super helpful around the house. Yeah, I think we all walk in with that expectation. <laughs> yep. And like, we can expect that we will have, quote unquote, healthy, physically, mentally mm-hmm. able children. We expect money for the dream house or yeah. any house other than a rental property. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Military. What's yep. up? <laughs> <laughs> money to be a stay-at-home mom. Money yeah. to travel yes. is a really big one in our culture. Right. It can even just be the hope for like a husband or extended family who might support your desire to work outside of the home. Right. Or your desire to have a little side gig other than just motherhood. Right. It can be just all kinds of things that we just assumed based on the culture that we grew up in, that we would have these things. Yeah. Even as you're listing this off, I already feel myself wanting to kind of like beat down those desires. Are these expectations, I think when we hear that word as believers, the word expectations or even the word desires, we associate that with negativity. Like we feel like those are bad things. Are desires like these bad? Are they good? Or could they be neutral? I think that they are good in and of themselves. They are good in their right place. Like, there's nothing wrong with wanting to have children. Yeah. You know? Yes. Like, the Bible tells us to desire a happy marriage. Right. And to work towards that. But we have to understand that first, God made us to be desirers. Yeah. He made us to desire the best thing for our lives. Yeah. The best thing for our lives is God. So the problem happens when these other good desires that aren't good in and of themselves start to take God's place in our life. So I like to picture like Jesus seated on the throne of Mm -hmm. my heart and the good desires are just at the bottom submitted to his sovereign goodness. Yeah. But any time that I stop looking at him and focusing on him and keeping him the number one in my life and look down at all of those good desires and start like letting my mind just spend all this time dwelling on how much I want those good things. Yeah. He is no longer on the throne of my life. And those good desires just start crawling their way up onto the throne. Yeah, totally. I have absolutely experienced that. And a lot of times it happens without me realizing it. Mm Mm-hmm. Paul Tripp says a desire for a good thing becomes a bad thing when it becomes the ruling thing. Yeah. So they start as good. Yeah. They become bad when they let, when we let them rule our hearts. Yeah. 
So when might we see that these things are actually ruling our hearts? Like if, like I said, sometimes I will have a desire that creeps its way up there unknowingly mm-hmm. <laughs> without me realizing it. When do I know that I have put something on the throne instead of allowing God to be on the throne and the desires to be underneath his feet? Sure. Pastor Brad Bigney, he wrote a book called Gospel Treason that's really good, but he also has, a sermon. He has a sermon series. Okay. You can just Google Brad Bigney Gospel Treason sermon. Okay. And the sermon series is free online that you can watch. Love and it. He says that devastation is always a tip off for idolatry. Yeah. So anytime not getting something activates like a raging emotion of anger or devastation in your heart, you know that that good desire has begun to get on God's throne in our lives. Yeah. So when Jesus is on our throne, then our the fruit of the spirit gives us the opposite emotions. We get love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, patience, gentleness, and self-control, yes. faithfulness, <laughs> all of those all good of things. But when those good desires get on the throne and they start ruling our heart yeah. and we don't get them, then we get anger, fear, malice, short temper, harshness, all of those kinds of big, bad emotions that are just surefire signs that Jesus is no longer the focus of our lives. Yeah, I can think of about a million examples, you know, because we're talking about kind of the bigger desires that really leave us like grieving. But even in that, I think about back to the sleep chapter of your book when Davy doesn't sleep for the full two hour nap that I'm expecting. I can get ticked. Yeah. And I mean, you deserved that nap, but you worked really hard in the morning. And then you were trying to do God's work working on your podcast and she woke up. Exactly. (laughs) And that's where I've realized that a lot of times the things that I am, you know, placing my hope in, my expectations, my desires, whether they be big or small, that is truly like me wanting to crawl up on the throne myself to make myself Mm -hmm. either a more successful person or to be a person of my word, even like good things. I can so often place my hope in those desires or those expectations just because I want myself to be really on the throne. (laughs) Sure. I mean, like, I never realized how much I cared about my own physical comfort until I became a mother. And one of my sons always needs help in the bathroom right in the middle of me frying my eggs. (laughs) So you have like, no, they're just going to be overdone eggs. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Every day. Yep. <laughs> oh, well, you know, we both acknowledge that God is sovereign over all things. And I love the picture of Jesus sitting on the throne in in control of our life. So since this is the case, why do you think that God allows, because mm-hmm. he, he is sovereign overall, why do you think he allows some of our desires to go unmet on this side of heaven? Okay, so I think we need to pull in some scripture here and really look at how God talks about desire. Mm -hmm. Bring it to me. So in Psalm 145, it says, You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Hmm. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. Mm -hmm. The Lord is near to those who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Hmm. So here's the thing. 
Yeah. It says he satisfies the desire, not the desires, plural. Mm, That'll preach. Like I said before, we were made to be desirers. Right. We were made to desire God. And every living thing ultimately has one desire, and that's for him. Right. But in this fallen world, our sin just twists our desires around so that we seek it in literally every place, but the one place it will be found. Mm-hmm. In his essay, The Weight of Glory, C.S. Lewis explains it this way. Yeah. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. Mm-hmm. We are far too easily pleased. Yes. We're too happy with these desires. Yeah. So then God does not promise us everything we do desire, but he promises to satisfy our mm-hmm. underlying desire. Mm-hmm. And what any way that he finds to satisfy that desire yeah. is both righteous yeah. and kind. Yes. I think there's just not enough said about God's kindness. When life doesn't go as we expect, when it gets hard, we tend to focus on God's sovereignty Mm -hmm. and his goodness. And those are really good things. But goodness is general. And he will do the best and the good thing, even if it's a painful thing. We know that. Kindness is different. It tells us kindness is personal. It tells us that God cares about how it impacts us. Yeah, And it can still be his kindness. And Romans 2 forces that he actually uses his kindness to lead us to repentance. Hmm. And Psalm 145, 17 says that he is both righteous in his works and kind in them. Hmm. So that leads to this question. How is it that not giving me this really good thing that I really, really want kind? How is that kind? Well, it is kind because in withholding this one good thing, God is giving us the one true desire of our heart mm-hmm. that we are always trying so desperately to satisfy. And that is more of God in our lives. The next verse in Psalm 145 says that Yahweh is near to all who call on him. Like may the thing that we lack that we wanted so bad, draw us to call on him and that he will draw near. And anything that draws us near to God is a kindness. Yes. Amen. Because Only in nearness to God will we have all of our desire fulfilled. Yes. I like to call this holy discontent. Oh, I love that. So this means this purpose of this unmet desire is to constantly remind you that only God will satisfy the unending desire of your heart. Mm. Actually, Elizabeth Elliot says, heaven is not here. It's there. Yeah. Amen. If we were given all we wanted here, our hearts would settle for this world rather than the next. Yeah. So this holy discontent is a kindness to keep us longing for more of God. Oh, yes. I never say amen on my podcast, but you're preaching, girl. <laughs> I even see this practically like down to the nitty gritties of my three-year-old daughter who I can see in her this holy discontentment. I love mm-hmm. that phrase. She is obsessed with clothes. And at first I thought, okay, this is just an expression of her creativity. This is, you know, a girly thing. (laughs) And I went with it. But then I started to see that she would put on an outfit and then she would immediately like throw it away and 
put on another outfit and she'd become very demanding. And Mm. it's exactly the way we are when we're like trying to get ready for a date night, right? (laughs) (laughs) Starts young. But I learned to use the language with her, which I'm totally going to add the holy discontentment into our language in our home now that you've introduced that to me. I love that. I've spoken to her and said, hey, Hads, this discontentment, this longing for more, more, more clothes, you know, pink, frilly, tutu, everything. This is never going to be satisfied by the clothes that you put on your body. You can see that even when you put on the outfit that you're desiring, the very next outfit, you're still feeling that discontentment. And that is because this stuff cannot satisfy your clothes, whatever it is, insert whatever into the blank. Mm -hmm. That will not bring satisfaction. Only Jesus will satisfy that deep longing in your heart. I think it's like, I'm never going to not want a daughter. Hadley's never going to not want to be beautiful. Right. right? But in that constant Mm. state of always wanting and never getting, we can be fully satisfied in Christ. It can either it makes us aware that our circumstances will never satisfy. Right. Only God closer to him satisfies. Yes. It's totally a severe mercy. Have you read the book, A Severe Mercy, by any chance? I read it like in high school, but yes. It's been a minute. Well, that's why my second daughter is named Davy, which I think a lot of people are confused by because it's traditionally a boy's name. But in the story, A Severe Mercy, which I highly recommend, There is a woman, and it tells you, no spoilers here, it tells you right out the gate in the first chapter that this woman named Davy dies. And it is a severe mercy that she dies because through her death, her husband truly embraces the love of Christ. And Mm -hmm. when you're talking, that's exactly what it's making me think of. What is a normal response when we really have, I'm not just talking about when our clothes don't satisfy us, like I mentioned with Hadley, when we are truly experiencing an unfulfilled desire, what is a normal response? And what kind of response did you have when you realized, man, I may not ever have a daughter? Well, it is truly even, we don't just get to have to grieve the loss of things that we had that were taken away from us. Like it is natural and right to grieve the loss of good desires that we never received. Right. And I think you have to go through the grieving process. I know I had a lot of anger when I found out I wouldn't be having a girl. I was like, why would God withhold such a good thing from me? Of course, I had like some bad motives, like dressing her up really cute. But most of my motives That might were... turn on you, Maggie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm thinking that now. Most of my motives were godly. Like, I wanted to pass on to my daughter the lessons of how to be a godly woman. Right. And so I was like, why is God withholding this from me? And then I had just a lot of grief. I was really sad. I hardly ever cry, like normally a few times a year. And yeah. then I cried all the time. every day. And I would get to just any time that like my boys got really difficult in their craziness of like three, one and newborn. It was just like huge tears. And it always came back Hmm. to that Hmm. thing. It was like, my heart was holding so tightly to that hurt, that it just began to wither. Everything seemed pointed at that I'm experiencing this hard thing because I didn't get that thing I wanted. And I started to avoid God. I knew that 
if I met with him, I would have to give up my desire. And I didn't want to give it up. It was a good thing. And mm. so I got really possessive about it. Interesting. Yeah. And I, I like, can see that for myself in other areas. Yeah. I like put this desire in a little closet in my heart and I just tucked it away because I didn't want the gospel to touch it. Mm. I didn't want God's sovereignty to touch it because then I thought it would have to be like, I would just have to be okay with it. And so I just go and like visit my desire and sit in this little windowless mm. closet in my heart. And with my dream, yeah. I refused to experience the light of God. And I knew that he was sovereign and I knew that he was good and I knew that he loved me, but I did not want to know those things about being daughterless. I thought if I let the gospel in, then God would like, I'd have to say it was okay that yeah. I lost this thing right. and I didn't want to be okay. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. I was writing on Super Mommy at the time. Uh -huh. And I see when you push the gospel out of one area of your life, you don't get to keep it everywhere else. Hmm. It doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit is permeating of who we are. Mm. So, I was writing on Super Mommy at the time, and I just came to this point in my soul where I couldn't move forward in writing, which is a very like spiritual, like meeting with God kind of process for me, because I was holding so tightly to my desire for God. I did not want to meet with him. So then I couldn't write anymore. And I knew that something had to change. Yeah. So it was Lent. And in Lent, everyone gives something up. And I was like, well, am I going to, I don't know, I don't do that every year. I'm going to do that this year. I don't know. But I heard God gently nudging my heart that I knew what I needed to let go of. Hmm. And I didn't want to let go of it. I felt like if I let go of it, then God and everyone else in the world would forget that it existed. Right. And that wow. letting it go was saying it's okay. But God showed me that he is my keeper. And God does not forget. And so he taught me that I could entrust my desire to him and he would keep it for me because the desire was killing my soul. Yeah. And I could either give it to one who is kind, fulfills my desire and keeps me, or I could let my soul die, basically. And Psalm 121.5 really ministered to me. It said, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade at your right hand. And it's just thinking of the shade. And if he's close yeah. enough, 
to be the shade on my right hand, right. he will always see and recognize the desire yeah. in my heart. He I don't knows. have to keep like bringing it up in all of this vomit and anger and emotions for him to know. Yeah. He knows. So I don't think it's at all wrong to grieve a desire. Right. I'm always, always going to be sad that I didn't get a daughter, but I feel like I struggle with the grief of it every time I kind of enter a new season of motherhood and I realize like, oh, I'm not getting to yeah. do those things now. One thing that's been really comforting to me is John Piper's video, Embrace the Life God Has Given You. Okay, I haven't seen this. You need to see it. Everyone needs to see I will, it. We'll link to that for sure. <laughs> it's really meaningful to me, especially because Pastor John was my actual pastor for many years. I went to Bethlehem. That is so cool. Which is just like a privilege. And they actually had four sons and then stopped having kids. And everyone knew that they had a desire for a daughter, like that Noel really wanted a daughter. Yeah. Enough that out of the blue, there was this baby up for adoption that really needed an adoption really badly. Huh. Someone from the church like called them up and said, Noel, I think I have your baby girl. That's incredible. And so, and did they adopt her? Yeah, yeah, that's her daughter. She's, gosh, she's got to be nearing the end of high school now, I think. Wow. Yeah, Talitha. And so, like, that is encouraging to me. Not because then I think, well, God's going to give me an adopted daughter someday. But that like this word that he speaks in this video comes from, I think, a really similar place in his heart. Because what he says is that there are two types of grief. There's grieving something that you had that was taken from you. Mm -hmm. And there's grieving something that you always wanted that you never got. And yeah. that both are legitimate, important kinds of grief. And that you just occasionally go to those places and have your tears and sadness and sorrow before the Lord, but you don't live in that place. You wash your face and then you embrace the life God has given you. Mm, I love that. That was so encouraging to me because like, I don't have to forget. I don't have to forget. Mm -hmm. I don't have to pretend like this didn't exist. I don't have to yeah. stuff it down in my heart. I just have to trust God with it. I just have to, anytime I have it, bring the emotion to him. And I can trust him to keep it and hold it for me and be like gracious and kind with my heart. Mm. I love the phrase in that sentence that you said, grieving the desires that haven't yet been met. Is that what you said? Yeah. Grieving the desires. That, so <laughs> I have to remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird to hear your own words said back to you. But mm -hmm. where does the gospel meet us in those desires that we have that haven't been met yet? So I think that Jesus's death on the cross reminds us that even God mm -hmm. humbled himself to experience suffering. It's really easy as Christians to think because we have God's grace, we shouldn't experience suffering. But right. Jesus came and he suffered. Mm. And he even went to the Lord in Gethsemane and said, if it's possible, take this cup from me. This is too much. It's just too much. Please take it. And I yeah. have been there with God. Please just remove this pain from my life, this hard road yeah. to walk. But then Jesus said, but not my will, but your will be done. And to walk in the steps of that kind of humble, suffering servant 
is a gift. Like we will know Jesus more and fellowship with him more through experience the suffering mm-hmm. of not having this impediment removed. And that then the gospel also reminds us that God already met every one of our needs in the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's easy when you have an unmet desire like this to feel like God is just withholding from me. Yeah. But God cannot withhold the best from us because he already gave the best to us in yes. Jesus. Yes. Says that all of the promises are yes to those who believe. Yes. So all of the promises even if you're hurting, even if you haven't received a husband, even if you haven't received children, God has given you everything you need for the life he has called you to. And he has given you everything that you need to meet the desires of your heart. And that is in the person of Jesus. We can have a joyful and fulfilling life simply because we have Jesus. Yes. You know, in the moments where the rubber is really meeting the road, I think a lot Mm -hmm. of us like can sit and hear that and say like, yes, but when we're putting one foot in front of the other and actually attempting to walk out our lives, how can we walk in the grace of the gospel like you described without like wallowing in sadness in regard to our unmet desires? I think we have to keep putting truth in front of us. Yeah. Because when we focus on our circumstances... we're always going to be unhappy. Like our circumstances <laughs> yeah. would never meet our plan for them. True. And so when we focus on that and we stop saying that circumstances are neat, like our plans are right. things that we need. Mm. Paul Tripp calls need the sloppiest, most all-inclusive word in the human language. Yeah. So I just like throw that word out. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it is important yeah. how we say things. Like, I'm only going to say I need Jesus. Yeah. Putting truth and focusing on truth instead of on the things, focusing on Jesus on the throne instead of all of the little things underneath. We'll put them in their right place again, and then we'll be able to experience, like, I can truly say that now I can go and I can talk about having a daughter and being sad without feeling like I need to have that yeah to be happy like and that is really a huge like that took a huge win (laughs) six nine twelve months to get to that place at least and it's still something that i have to continually submit to the lord so when you were talking like first starting to talk about that did you experience like shaming from other believers or even just from other people who are like man you should be happy with what you have definitely i experienced like women well there's kind of two coins like aren't you you have three beautiful children like you're kind of like diminishing them by saying Mm -hmm. that you still want this we still want a daughter but they're two totally separate desires I love my boys I'm so happy and content with them but I still have this part of my heart that's not going to be met in the same way by a boy as it was by a girl just like a woman who is married happily married and is unable to conceive mm-hmm. is happy with her husband. She right. doesn't like that's not tossing him in the trash to say, but I also really want children. Yeah. And then the other way is like, well, you should just be happy that you're not going through suffering like 
miscarriages, like stillbirths, like infertility. And the thing is that we don't, in the kingdom of God, we don't compare suffering with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We actually do. We shouldn't. <laughs> we do. <laughs> oh. Everything is equal. We stand equally sinful before the Lord. We stand equally unworthy of any mm-hmm. blessing. Yeah. Yes. So there's no like levels of stuff. Yes, I recognize that there is a true very intense hardship that is much harder really than what I'm experiencing, but it's still grief. Like grief is kind of an equalizer in the grief. We have the same experience. I think it's really, that's one thing that I've learned through talking about this and being open about it online. It's like, I have a lot of single women come to me and be like, the things you say, even though you're saying about motherhood ring really true in my heart and speak God's truth in my life. And I think that is just shows the universality yeah. of God's truth. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it pertains to any situation. It pertains to any situation. Yep. Yes. And it's always truth in everybody's life, no mattering like what yeah. kind of degree, levels, like the, the level by, by which we perceive it. Yeah. Yep. We all need Jesus. We all need his truth. We all are experiencing some sort of suffering. Period. Yep. <laughs> well, how can we come alongside our sisters who are struggling over grieving with unmet desires and really love them well? I think that we, first of all, don't assume that God is trying to teach them a lesson. I'm not sure what it is about singleness that brings this out, but it's like, how many times have yeah. a single woman heard, well, you just need to get in the right place with the Lord so yeah. that you're ready and prepared for the for husband the spouse. that he's going yes. to It's like, we don't get right with the Lord so that yeah. he gives us some blessing. Yeah. Like, or just get content enough, honey. Yes. And once you're truly content, then truly God will content, get your man. Then you'll get it. Then you'll get your man. That's not how God works. Like God is just working to draw us all continually into him. Mm-hmm. So we just, first of all, Stop trying to teach them God's lesson, too. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I need that word for myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Instead, God wants us to just point them back to Jesus. Right. Point them back to Jesus. Let him yeah. and the Holy Spirit do the heart work. Yes. We do the work of just helping them fix their eyes back on the Lord. And then we recognize their grief as legitimate. Like I was talking about, we're not going to talk about, well, this isn't as hard as somebody else's grief. Well, that doesn't mean it's not still really hard. We're going to recognize that. And even if it's something we don't understand, Mm -hmm. give them the grace to say, I see that like, this is a real struggle for you. And I want to gently bring you to the Lord rather than give you shame for struggling with it. Yeah. And then third, when we offer them hope, we offer them hope in Jesus not hope in future blessings. Yeah. Oh. So this is what I mean every time people find out I have three boys. They say one of a couple of things to me. They say, "Oh, well, boys are so much easier than girls." Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or they say, "Boys." You're like, "Well, great. I thought they were actually a little challenging." Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then they're like, Boys are, you'll have granddaughters someday or yeah. daughter-in-laws yeah. someday. Yes. Or 
God is going to give you spiritual daughters. Yes. All of those things may or may not be true. Yeah. (laughs) But none of those things are a safe place for me to put my hope. Yeah. A single woman's place of hope is not in a future husband waiting Mm -hmm. for her. It is in the Lord being enough no matter what. Right. And so we really do each other a disservice when we just point to God's blessings and still instead of pointing to the blesser. Because yeah. what she needs is to get Jesus back on the throne of her heart. And I feel like I should have said this earlier, so I'm just going to say it now. But what she needs to be doing is abiding yes. with God. Yeah. So that's keeping Jesus on the throne. And I have to say, though, that abiding is like has been a really intimidating, possibly shaming word to me in my past Christian life. I grew up in the church and it's like one of those words you hear a lot and you're like, I should be doing that, but I I don't know how. Yeah. What the heck does that even mean? (laughs) But you don't really want to ask because people just give you really like open answers and then you feel like dumb. Yeah, dumb, dumb. <laughs> and so let me break it down for you. Just Ooh, yay. think about your relationship with like one of the most important people in your life. Like say your husband, your best friend, your mom, your relationship with that person. You don't like talk to them once in the morning and then right. just forget about them for the rest of the day. Or like, no, y- you like text with them. Totally. You like look at their Instagram pictures. (laughs) You think about them. You think you wish they were there. You wish they were there. Yeah. You think about when am I going to spend time with them again? And then you also like, yeah, think about them as you're making your decisions. Like as you discipline your children, you often think about, well, what is my husband? Like what has been his guidance on this area in the past? You oh, think that's about... so good of you. I was like, I wish he was here to do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that can happen too. <laughs> and you think of them as you make plans for your life. Like you think how right. the plans might impact them, how their thoughts might impact your plans and all of those things. That's all being with abiding with Jesus is. Yeah. is like keeping him in your mind so that he impacts your circumstances, mm-hmm. the truth of his word dwelling in you richly through reading it, through putting it in your heart so that you're having continual communication with him, that he be the person you quote unquote call on when you're having a really rough day. So that's all abiding is, is making him just like those most important people in our lives. And when we do that, he stays on their throne. Our focus stays on God instead of our circumstances and all of these good things that we want stay in their right place, just yeah. seated at the bottom, at the Lord's feet. When you're talking about even texting your spouse, I'm like, I think sometimes this is harder for us because we don't really practice the discipline of like, you know, sitting and listening to what God has to say to us. And I'm like, man, yes. he's given us a whole entire, not just like a text message, but a whole text of yeah. <laughs> All of his words and everything that we need for life and for godliness. And so when you're talking about setting the truth before you, that's really my hope for myself 
in the coming years just to consistently be meditating and mulling over the truth mm-hmm. of God's word. And I really believe that's going to help me abide as you're talking about this, just thinking about the things, the promises that he has already told me to be true and to remind myself of those as I'm going through whatever circumstances during the day to help me reorient my gaze to him, really, to help me abide. Yeah, I think two simple, super practical ways to abide. Listen to the Bible on your phone. Yes, that is huge. Because <laughs> it's like you can literally do that in any circumstance. You can do that on version app. You can yeah. do it on Bible.is. I have questions about that all the time because mm-hmm. that's part of what helped me last year to read from cover to cover. Yes. And it's huge for moms because when you're in the car, like, yep. what better thing to put on the Bible for your kids? Mm-hmm. Just yep. Bluetooth it up. Yeah, I love the ESV one because it's free. Yeah. The, that version is free on there. Doesn't it have like a British accent? Yeah. It's got it. Like, I really enjoy the man's. <laughs> yeah. Bible that is, is a little creepy forewarning. <laughs> and <laughs> the then background music scares me. The other practical way is just like literally to keep your Bible open wherever yes. you are. Yes. <laughs> literally just keeping it open. Multiple Bibles open inst- in yeah, every location like, you frequent. <laughs> yeah. Instead of closed in mm-hmm. a drawer. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. Well, speaking of those, would you like to share with us some other resources that you would recommend for somebody who's wanting to grow, whether they're wanting to navigate unmet expectations more biblically or wanting to walk alongside friends who have deep unmet desires and wanting to do that well? Sure. The first is the shop Words Worth Noting. Yes. Has grief and sorrow cards. They're so pretty. they're, They're so pretty. The one side is something beautiful, like some of Lauren's hand lettering or some of Emily's graphic design work. And they kind of correlate to the verse on the back. I heard them talk about these one time saying like the picture helps you to remember the verse. Mm -hmm. Like if you can picture that in your head, like, yes, combining those two mediums, which I've verses on note cards is great but like the added visual was really helpful in remembering them but also then you can like keep the pretty picture out if you don't want everyone to know that you're maybe struggling with grief and then flip it over when you need it yeah and it has like a really good gospel i mean obviously a verse from the bible right (laughs) (laughs) on there plus a like a little exhortation that kind of sums up that verse that are just really well written. And I'm excited. I need to order like a whole stack of these because every time, right, grief is usually unexpected. And mm-hmm. I'll go to the Hallmark aisle, the Hallmark aisle, the card aisle at the grocery store. And I always leave like, are you serious? I just read like 50 cards. And yeah. in all the cards, <laughs> there's not anything that I can offer as truth. So I'm gonna have to choose mm-hmm. the blank one with a flower on it. Yep. <laughs> so it's like these just put God's word before you. They give you a whole series of verses to be meditating on when you need to be like when you're working on talking about when you just like can't get your heart right. when You can't give up that idol, that thing to trust Jesus with that grief. And then they also teach you verses that you can use to minister to your friends who are experiencing that, that you don't have to feel like when a friend brings a grief to you. What do I say? Yeah. Yeah, What do I say? You just have it right Mm -hmm. there. Pull it out and read it. Cool. I like it. So those are super helpful. And then two worship songs that have been really meaningful to me. Again, like I said, for those times, like worship music is really powerful for those times when When you don't have words. Yeah. When you don't have words and you don't want to let go. Yeah. 
the power of music to make force yourself yes. into the emotion you're trying to like hold off at a distance. It's true. The first is Sovereign by Chris Tomlin. Okay. And he says, in your everlasting arms, all the pieces of my life from huh. beginning to the end, I can trust you. Mm, amen. Yeah. And then God is Good by Dustin Kensrue. Okay. So he was the lead singer of Thrice, if I have any rock fans. Um, <laughs> not here, but. does tend to be a little bit more. It's not like full rock and roll, but it, even his worship music is a little bit more that way, metal? which I like. <laughs> not metal, not metal at all, but it's not... just like, okay. it's not like quite so, I don't even acoustic. know. Acoustic. Yes. Yeah, not quite so acoustic. <laughs> Coffee shop. And you probably do know some of it, like okay. probably sing some of his songs at your church. You don't even know. Okay. But God is good, says, even when it seems the answer is no, the promises of God still find their yes in Christ. Mm, I need that, that on a canvas. Yeah. That one line just like changed my life. Wow. That's so good. So. Okay. Going on the journey, women jams. And then the third biblical resource would be biblical counseling. So this is counseling that's just straight from God's word. The main organization is CCEF. Okay. And they, I know Emily was talking about David Paulison's X-ray questions. They have so many practical resources like that. Ooh, I'm excited. That are really specific to all of the different places, like sin strongholds that we can get into. And they're just, all it is just giving you the word, just pointing, taking you on a journey through the word. And then along with that, like you can look up, are there local biblical counselors that you could talk to? Yes. And then Faith Biblical Counseling Conference. It's a church in Indiana that they have a free counseling to everyone in their area that they counsel unbelievers with the word of God. It's like the most amazing amazing thing, but they have conferences that have just literally changed my parents' lives. Mm. So I highly recommend they have a bunch of pamphlets and resources too. And then their conference, they've got like a big conference in Indiana that Mm -hmm. happens in February and they always do four or five sessions live streamed. Oh, cool. So, So we could come from the comfort of our own homes with our babies. Yes. During so, nap time, if God allows. <laughs> my mom like contacted one of her resources and I'm going to try to get you maybe the like the details on that before this podcast goes up. But yeah, that'd be amazing. If not, if people are following me on social media, then yes. I will definitely be posting about it so people know when they can tune in. Okay, perfect. But that is just another great resource. If you want to understand how the gospel practically applies to some of these really nitty gritty places. And then like biblical counseling, the Paul Tripp, Elise Fitzpatrick, Ed Welch, David Paulson, those are all like, if you're familiar with those people, you've already experienced some of that. I am so excited. I need to have like a full coffee date with myself and my computer and this website. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would be one of my simple joys, but I'd love to hear from you. This is a question I ask every guest on the Journey Women podcast. What are three of your simple joys? This can be anything from the most simple of things to something that we could buy on Amazon. Okay, so the first one is Voxer. Are you familiar with it, Hunter? Yes, I am. I don't use it anymore, though, everyone, because (laughs) I was getting overwhelmed. 
Oh, I bet you probably have random people message you maybe. Well, I don't know. No, yeah. Old, just you know, too many messages. Boxer, and then you're like, oh, people are, it became one more thing. And when you have all of this auditory input via the podcast, and at the time yeah. I was editing my own show, which I'm not doing anymore. So maybe I'll get back on Boxer eventually, but it was too much auditory input for me. However, it's an awesome median of communication. Yeah, I just was really praying to God. Like I had been kind of through a season of not having much time for friendship. Hmm. Through having that really intense Littles experience and then launching my book. And at the same time, I launched right as my book was coming out. We were finishing building a house. Oh, wow. It's like it was really intense and I was feeling lonely. And yeah, God used that to reconnect me with my cousin who's like a sister to me who has triplets. And it's just hard for us to get together. It's wonderful because you can talk whenever you can talk versus setting up a phone call, which usually means... In that exact moment that your scheduled phone call happens, something else inevitably like us ensues. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's like just you're sending voicemails to each other. And then like rekindled my relationship with my sister-in-law because we see each other all the time, but you can't go deep when kids are around. And then now have a writer's group that is from all over the country that only meets on Voxer. That's amazing. So you can listen to it when you have time, like a podcast. Yes. So that has been just like life changing. That's awesome. So that and then sunsets and sunrises. Absolutely. Because it's winter and I live in Minnesota and I get to see both every day because our days are like 730 is sunrise and then sunset is like at four or 430. Oh, Maggie, that makes the whole three kids under three even more potent because you can't go outside. That's crazy. So my youngest now is three and a half and he's obsessed with them and he gets so excited every day when he sees the sunset or the sunrise. And it just like brought a renewed like Oh, pay attention to these things that like Mm. God does for you every day to like draw your mind back to him. And then also just to have a good attitude about like, we have really short days, but look at the blessing. We get to see the sunset (laughs) and the sunrise every day. Oh, that is so great. I love it. (laughs) And then my third is fainting goats. Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Go on YouTube. (laughs) If you need a good laugh, go on YouTube. Our goats are fainting goats. What? What does this mean? So they, it's like a fight or flight reflex where if they get either scared or really excited, they fall over. Oh, this happens to Davey. (laughs) (laughs) This is serious. I'm not even making this up. That's crazy. Like a neurological response. Yes. Yes. So. Every time I like bring the grain out to my goats, we have one who literally, <laughs> dear things, she feels things strongly. She faints every time. This Not is Davy Goat. Like... If you don't have a name, I have one for you. <laughs> Her name is Scout, but. Oh, <laughs> I love that. She's like falls over. Well, she only falls over sometimes. You have to be really excited or really scared to fall over, but they're like legs lock up and the other two run ahead <laughs> to the grain. And I'm like, we have to wait for our dear sister scout to get her emotions <laughs> under control and come along with us. <laughs> that is excellent. Okay, we'll be YouTubing ASAP. Yes. That yep. sounds really cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the questions that I love to ask every guest on the show, because I know that my whole inspiration for starting Journey Women was that I've had mentors and women who 
have inspired me and who have encouraged me and who have challenged me and who have spoken the grace of the gospel into my own journey with Jesus. And I know that for every single guest that I have on the show, they have had that experience too. So I'd love to hear from you. Who is it that's had the biggest influence on your own journey with Jesus? You know, I really didn't want to say my parents. It (laughs) sounds like they're pretty awesome. Came up with all of these other ideas. And I was like, no, really, it's just my parents. Let's just be real. But I think this is why. Because they've made the biggest difference in my life as an adult Christian, because it's so evident that they are still being sanctified. That's amazing. Yes. My dad is 70. My mom is just a little bit younger than that. Like a lot of people in their life, are just retired. Yep. They're checked out. You know, they're they're retired from life. They're retired from sanctification. And they were always like those strong kind of pillars of the church, like my dad, the elder, my mom leading the Bible studies and like leading a lot of women's stuff in the youth group. And mm-hmm. they were amazing Christian people. And then they went to the Faith Biblical Counseling Conference and they learned this concept that we do what we do because we want what we want. Hmm. And that concept has, again, like completely changed their lives. It's encouraging to me that a mature Christian can still receive that kind of sanctification through experiencing gospel application in their lives. Yeah. And it is humbling to me to keep my heart open to receiving the counsel of Scripture and God's sanctification, instead of thinking, I'm like made, and I made it, but I'm good enough. Like, I'm good enough. And that like sanctification is painful, but it's always better. Like they're experiencing so much more freedom. And they have so much to offer other people through being really humble about God teaching them new things. Yeah, even at like, you know, the time in their life when like I said, people give up. So yeah, That's amazing. They make me want to keep pursuing, believing that more of Jesus and more glory and power in my life is possible. Mm, I love that. Man, you're making me want to come hang out on the small farm homestead (laughs) and hang out with you and your mom. Anytime. If you're ever up in Minneapolis. (laughs) All right. I might take you up in that. I'll have to get my cold weather. Come to the Desiring God conference and hang out with me. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'll put that on my list of desires. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Maggie, thanks for coming on the show today. It's been a joy. It's been so great. I hope that you guys found this conversation with Maggie as thought provoking and as challenging as I did. You can find everything that we talked about on our website, journeywomenpodcast.com, listed under the show notes. To continue our discussion on unmet expectations, hop over and meet us on at journeywomenpodcast on Facebook and Instagram or at journeywomenpod on Twitter. Listen, if you're enjoying the podcast, there's a few things that you can do to support us as we continue striving to produce even better quality podcasts. First, you can share the show with a friend. Our hope is that you guys are using these episodes as a springboard for real conversations within the context of your local community. The second way you can support the show is by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. If you don't know how, you can find that information nestled under the podcast section of our website. This helps our podcast get on the radar of other women who are also on their journeys to glorify God. Thank you guys so much for allowing us to journey alongside you. I love y'all and I cannot wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.